I am not the type of person to take things slow. I want to do everything all at once. If I hear about a new idea, I want to implement it yesterday, but I'm starting to realize that it's important if I really want to do more than just try something on for size, if I really want to see growth, particularly in my music teaching, it's really important for me to focus in on one thing at a time. And so today on the Anacrystic Podcast, episode 141, we are talking all about focusing on one thing. I'm Ann Molesky. I'm a music teacher and curriculum designer, and you're listening to the Anacrusic Podcast. Shortly after finding out that we were going to relocate to Eastern Washington, I was having lunch with a friend of mine, and I was sharing with her the news that we were moving to Spokane. And the first thing out of her mouth was, oh my gosh, that is so exciting. You're going to love it there. It's beautiful. And the second thing out of her mouth was, you're going to need a Subaru. And it was the funniest thing. And I just kind of looked at her and I said, why would I need a Subaru? And she said, well, everybody has Subarus out there. And of course, as soon as we moved out here, I saw Subarus everywhere. And of course, after a quick Google search, <laughs> I discovered this that this is something called a frequency illusion. So it's a form of cognitive bias that once you learn something new or you notice it for the first time, you kind of see it everywhere. So think about when you notice that somebody um, pronounces a word differently than you do, and you're like, oh, well, maybe that's that's the real pronunciation and you do a little research about it, then you start to kind of have that selective attention toward that particular theme. Or um, if you like read a book about history and then you like notice all these different connections, it's just everywhere because it's new information to you, right? So this is what happened to me. We moved to Spokane and I literally saw Subarus everywhere. Now, this may or may not relate to what I'm about to talk about on today's podcast episode, but I think it's interesting to think about when you are hyper-focused on something, how you tend to analyze it or how you tend to have sort of that bias toward that piece of information. So say, for example, and I'm putting the cart before the horse here, but say, for example, you decide that your one thing that you really want to focus in on is transitions. Well, if you go to observe some other teachers, you're going to notice transitions everywhere. This happened to me recently after recording an episode with Victoria for Teaching Music Tomorrow, our, our podcast that we do together, um, all about transitions. And I went and observed some student teachers that same week that we recorded that particular episode or that pair of episodes. And I noticed that a lot of my feedback happened to be about transitions because that's what I had been thinking about and talking about and kind of coming up with some new ideas and resources for. So naturally, that's sort of where my brain went. And so all of this to say that there's something to be said for focusing in on one thing, even if there are a lot of different things that you want to try or a lot of different things that you want to change or a lot of things that you want to implement in your teaching. So let's take a non-musical example for a moment. Um, you know, the new year is somewhat upon us. And of course, January 1st, everybody has those new year's resolutions, those fitness goals, all of those things to, to have a healthier lifestyle and whatnot. And what do a lot of us do? We go all out. We do all of the things all at once. We're drinking lots of water. We're getting in our 10K steps. We're tracking our calories or our macros. We're doing our workouts, like all of the things all at once. And after a week or two or so, things might start to sort of fizzle out. 
And a lot of that has to do with the fact that maybe all of those different things are drastically different habits than what we're used to. Maybe we're used to drinking soda all day long, which I have a Diet Coke habit that I cannot quit, so no judgment there. But maybe we're used to drinking soda all day, and so drinking just water is a really tricky thing, right? Maybe getting more mobile, even though if you're on your feet teaching music all day, those 10K steps probably aren't too hard to hit. But maybe it's kind of tricky to, to get all of those steps in and make sure you're getting in all of your water and making sure you're having protein heavy meals and la di da di da, right? All of the different things. So I wonder what would happen if we thought about an attainable chunk and moving the needle kind of like that 1%, um, you know, just upping our water take intake or upping our steps or focusing just on water or focusing just on our steps and taking things a little bit at a time so we can master those new habits and we can get hyper aware and hyper kind of focused in on those one things, plural, as we go through to reach our larger goal. And really, if you think about it, this has broader implications in terms of how we do curriculum planning. So kind of separate, not separate, but related to your teaching. If you look at your big curriculum map, you're not going to come into music and do all the things for third grade that you have to do in a year in one class. You're going to think, well, this is where they need to be at the end of third grade. And then you're going to chunk backwards into digestible chunks. The same thing has to happen when we think about changing something in our teaching practice. As I teach Kodai levels in the summer, one of the biggest questions I get, and one of the biggest questions I remember having as a student in levels courses is where do I even begin? You know, there were days where I would like want to flip my desk up and toss it across the room and say, I don't even know what I'm doing in my classroom. Like, this is the way I want to teach. How do I make this happen? And the first thing I want to say is that if you've ever had that sort of feeling, first of all, you need to take a step back and reflect on the fact that you are a a music teacher who really cares about your students, who really thinks intentionally about what you do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to a music education podcast or otherwise you wouldn't be thinking about ways to improve your teaching. And the thing is, is that you're not going to go into your classroom tomorrow and like totally wipe the board clean, right? Totally start from scratch. Rather, it's much, much more beneficial to you and for your students to kind of add little things in at a time. And so the recommendation that I always give is find the one thing that seems like the easiest to implement. Maybe it has to do with your transitions. Maybe you're thinking about how often you give a spoken directive and your students lose focus. Things get a little chaotic in terms of classroom management whenever you move from one activity to another. And so maybe your first focus, maybe your first one thing for the next several weeks or several months or maybe the entire year is to really get your transitions on lock so that you know you can move from one activity to another musically and seamlessly and doing all the things that you want to do in your lesson without losing control of your kids. So that's an example of a one thing you might want to focus in on when it comes to thinking about your lesson structure. But I've seen some evidence of music teachers who want to try a new approach or try a new way of teaching and trying all the things all at once in two specific instances. Um, The first is teaching a song by rote. 
And actually, the second also has to do with teaching Asan by rote. So the first experience is when we look at something like inside of American methodology, and we see all of these different ways to teach Asan by rote, or we listen to the episode of the Anacrusic podcast that talks about seven different ways to teach Asan. And we try to implement all the things all at once. We're telling a story, we have the kids doing motions, we also have them listening for um, what the name of the girl who lost her locket was and all of those different kinds of things. And it gets really, really muddled and we're not getting to the essence of what we're trying to pull from the song. So when we're teaching a song by rote, the point of the song or the point of the activity rather is to teach the children the song, to get them to sing the song independently. And yes, we want it to be engaging and we want it to be exciting and we want the students to have a job. We want them to be involved in the music making. But if there are so many tasks for the students to do that they can't listen to the words or they're not quite singing things back effectively to us, then that becomes an issue, right? That becomes a little bit of a problem. So I think when it comes time to implement new teaching strategies in particular, it's really important for us to think about what is the essence, what is the purpose, what is the goal of any particular lesson, any particular lesson segment, any particular activity, however you want to define that. And then think about which easy steps, which simple steps you can implement or change to help make your goal happen efficiently and effectively. And for me, if I'm teaching a song by rote, I want the students to hear the song, to understand the words and the melody, and then to be able to sing it independently. So if I can do that by telling a story, that's great. If I think they need something a little bit more engaging throughout the song, perhaps they're going to have some beat motions as well, right? As we tell the story. So it just depends again on what the repertoire is and what your curricular goal might be for that particular song. And so thinking about the essence or the intention behind the activity is going to help you determine kind of the one thing or how to refine that one thing to get more effective with your students. So the second rote teaching thing that I've seen is after students have independently learned a song or they they have learned to sing independently rather with a new piece of song material is immediately jumping to like the end curricular goal. So having students do an oral activity, a visual activity, and a kinesthetic activity all at once the same day that they learn the brand new thing. And that's a lot, right? Um, That's one of those things where you might want to give your students a little bit of wait time if you're introducing new material before you start to dissect it. So again, thinking about the one thing you want your students, let's just get really meta about it. The one thing you want your students to get and focus in on is something that you need to consider when your lesson planning as well. But let's take a step back and let's think about your teaching practice. If you're feeling like things are a little stale and you want to switch things up, And what might you think about in terms of switching things up or refining your practice or coming up with what your one thing is? My suggestion for you is three steps. So the first is to choose your focus. So maybe for you it is transitions or how you choose to teach a song by rote. Maybe you want to come up with a way to do that a little bit more efficiently or a little bit more 
um, with a little bit more engagement from your students. Um, Or maybe it's something else. But whatever it is, take some time to think about where those pain points are in your lessons or in your teaching and what you would like to see different, Um, kind of what that ideal world would look like with the documentary filmmaker coming in and like how, how your classroom would function if that area was just a little bit better. So with transitions, you know, if that area felt a little bit better, you would see kids still singing as they move from one activity to another, or there would be nobody talking or off task during those transition times. Maybe if you're teaching a song by rote, you're able to do it after just like a five minute lesson segment and it doesn't take lots of, nope, let's do that phrase again, or no, listen, really listen to this right here, or, or things that just don't really go with the flow in terms of how you're planning to teach that particular song by rote. So choose your focus and think about what that success would look like kind of at the end point. And then the second step would be to think about how you're going to measure that growth. So the first time you decide to try something, it's not going to be <laughs> that perfect, perfect picture, right? The perfect thing that um, you want to see on that documentary of your of your music classroom. Instead, you want to think about like, what are those little chunks? What are those steps and scaffolds and sequences that are going to get you on your way to that final picture? And maybe even begin to give yourself some benchmarks. So maybe the first benchmark for a transition focus would be, okay, so today we only had to go back and practice one time (laughs) in between moving from the board work to the circle game. Maybe the next benchmark would be, oh, I only had to use proximity to get like one or two students on task, or I only had to do one redirect during this transition. Or maybe it's something that's more teacher teacher um, dependent. So something like, oh, I really needed to make sure that I made this more clear. I needed to make sure I was using more gesture and more nonverbal communication so that the students knew what they needed to do. And all those benchmarks might actually happen as you're going through focusing in on this one thing over time, right? Like you might not necessarily have those predetermined and they're probably going to change as you start to do the third step, which is take the time to reflect. So if this isn't something Something that you're doing every day. And I know it's really, really difficult um, and the hustle and bustle of everything that we have to do and your afternoon duty and grabbing your own children at the pickup line and all of that kind of stuff. But it's really important for us to take time to reflect. I think a lot of us do this just inherently anyway. You know, like if you teach a lesson on Monday, you have to teach it again on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. By the time you get to that Friday lesson, it's probably a lot better than your Monday lesson because you know that there were some things that just didn't work the way that you wanted them to. And so you either take them out or you change them or you tweak them. And that's just a form of reflection, whether you're really sitting down and writing things down pen to paper or you're just thinking through things on your drive home. But might I suggest that you do take some time to really intentionally sit down and reflect. This has been one of the most meaningful things with all of the pre-service teachers that I've been working with this semester. And I think that during that point in our career, we can all agree like, yes, we absolutely need to reflect and debrief and talk to um, other teachers or our mentors or whoever it might be in that particular pre-service situation to figure out what worked and what didn't and why either of those things are true, right? 
So what happens as we get further along in our teaching practice, and we've been doing this for many years, is I think we take less time to do this intentionally. And what I mean by that is it happens no matter what, again, just because of like that Monday to Friday lesson spectrum that I discussed, or you just need to decompress in the car ride home, right? And so you're thinking about all these different things, and you just automatically know like in your bones the types of things that you're going to change to make your classroom more effective. But I think thinking through and really like putting pen to paper or just kind of journaling or even talking out loud to voice memos on your iPhone, which is something that I like to do and think about what happened, what you would like to see different and just start to kind of brainstorm ways that you could make that happen. And the answer won't come to you necessarily right away. A lot of times the clarity is in the action. So trying different things and doing some problem solving and treating your classroom as your laboratory is essential to make these things work. But I think just having that constant reflection and that constant self-assessment is really important. And I think too, a lot of times we sort of forget what happened. We forget some of those nuances if we don't do it pretty quickly after a class is already occurred. So again, going back to some of these pre-service teachers I've been working with, thinking about you know, I look at their lesson plan and it's a great lesson plan and they execute their lesson plan beautifully. And then they get done and they're like, I have no idea what happened. Like I blacked out, right? (laughs) We've all had those experiences as well. And that's another reason why having a one thing focus is so important because there is so much that happens during our lessons. There are so many different places where things can kind of go off the rails or don't go particularly as we wrote them in our lesson plan because we're dealing with real students and real life and all of that good stuff. And so having that focus of that one thing, taking in that reflection time will help you kind of have that that extra noticing towards that particular part of your teaching practice that you want to improve. So just to sort of summarize some things, um, I think it's really important for us to constantly be reflective in what we're doing, myself included, absolutely. Um, teaching teachers more and more these last couple of years has really made me think a lot about how I break down some concepts and I talk about things that are quote unquote simple in the classroom because there's so many different ways to do so many different things in our music classrooms. And I think it's easy to have shiny object syndrome, which I am a huge victim of. And when I get that shiny object syndrome, I want to share it with everybody. (laughs) I want to share all the shiny objects all the time. And sometimes I think it can get a little bit, um, it can get a little confused or a little convoluted. And so it's important to sort of step back and simplify. So this idea of really focusing in on one thing, choosing a focus, choosing an area of practice that you want to refine, deciding how you're going to measure growth, what you want that end picture to look like, and really taking the time to reflect can really provide some meaningful insights to you as you start to kind of refine your practice a little bit more. So with all of that said, um, I feel like I need to make some comment about how that's what makes a Subaru a Subaru, or that's what makes a music teacher a music teacher. But I hope that this was helpful. And if you have any questions or comments, I'm always happy to hear from you. Until next time, guys.